This is the Stomp Around Monster Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stomp Around Monster Podcast. I'm Colin. I'm Zach. I'm Leah. And today, we're talking about Mothra. I love that intro music. <laughs> the uh, the lo-fi, like smooth jazz music. Yeah, yeah. Play us in lo-fi. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Sets the stage. Sounds the like smooth. something JJ would just listen to. Yeah, all the time. Just sitting there, just sitting there. I I could see that him on his little couch in his room. That's what he does. Yeah, listen to that song. Just that twenty seconds. It's not like a full song. It's just that on loop. Just a 20 just, seconds. One of those loop. 10 hour long videos that every video has of on yeah. YouTube. But it's just that 20 seconds. It's not a full song. It's not even like a three minute song. It's just a 20 second loop. Yikes. For 10 hours. Yeah. Episode Yikes. idea? <laughs> episode idea? Question mark? I mean, I'd, I'd be down for it. It's just an hour long loop of our intro. Of the intro. And then it'd be like, all right, guys, hope you enjoyed the episode this week. Tune in next week for something else. That'd be funny. What if we did that as like April Fools? Spoiler alert. We so gotta watch... do something like that for April Fools. Yeah, so watch the April Fools episode or listen. I guess you can't watch it at all, can you? Huh? What if we made the... what if we made the April Fools one a video? There's no video <laughs> to it. Everybody. But it's a video. A yeah. video we, of we should just, just Rick roll everybody for ten hours. For April Fools Day. Yeah, for ten hours. For ten hours. It's our longest. It's our longest episode yet. Also, our only visual episode, and not even post. It's like it's not even on Spotify. It's not on anything. It's only on YouTube. Not even YouTube. Something off the wall. Video. Like Vimeo. Instagram yeah. Vimeo. Motion or something. I hate that we it's both like, said Vimeo at the same time. Oh God. Yeah, I've watched like three whole videos on there once. <laughs> Or just make it a really long Instagram reel that just goes on and on forever. What if it was an Instagram live? Like, we're going to do the show live. Fuck it, we're doing it live. Do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! And we we did it live, and it was just the the intro for 10 hours. Could you imagine how warm your phone would be after having to be on 24 hours on an Instagram live? Instagram live. My phone already gets warm just from recording this. What? My head gets a little warm from wearing the Oculus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a third wall break right there, everybody. Zach records all episodes wearing an Oculus. Spoiler alert. Every episode since, like, episode two, I think. Since what episode did you one. the first one? Episode one, I used uh, a kind of, like, a $30 Turtle Beach uh, PS4 headset. It didn't sound good. I didn't like how it sounded. So I swapped to this, knowing that my Oculus has a pretty good mic on it. And that's uh what I what I stick with. I wear it somewhat on my head, not all the way on my head, because I don't want the glasses over my eyes. Um, not that it's not comfortable. I've I've done VR for quite a while, but uh, I don't know. This way, I can look at the notes. Uh, I can I, I can look up things on the computer or whatever. Um, because where I sit at my desk is not quite where I do VR stuff. The cord reaches obviously, but not where like uh, it's not where I do VR. You know, what so Oculus do you have? I have the I have the original Rift, original oh. Oculus Rift. So there's there's an insight to the behind the scenes making of the podcast. There you go. Maybe we could do a behind the scenes episode. You yeah, see we, my we my collection of episode. bottle caps that sit right here by my computer. I fiddle with sometimes. I think you may have heard that in like episode two or three as well in the background. Then I stopped yeah. because it made too much noise. People are going to go back to the old episodes and try and find this hidden sound thing that has meaning. Yeah. We're recruiting for something. Yeah, it might be episode one. It might be episode one where I'm like just messing around with these bottle caps and it's just making a ton of noise. I'll I'll do it here again. Uh, Obviously saying that I'm going to do it. So you can kind of like... Listen for those sunset sarsaparilla caps. Uh, Yeah, we'll go with that. Not alcohol. No. (laughs) Definitely not. Definitely not. Nope. It's a dry. Uh, it's a dry podcast. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, Mothra. <laughs> Mothra. Yeah, we're talking about a Mothra movie. That's right. Mothra. Love Mothra. 
This is not the Alcoholics Anonymous podcast. It's it's, it's a movie podcast. Stomp around the beverages, I mean monsters. Stomp around all the cans I'll leave on my bedroom floor. No. But anyway, we're uh, we're talking about Mothra. Um back on the the show of continuity, God, it's been forever since we we got to do a show episode. Right? About time. I know we finally got back into Godzilla with with Singular Point. If you haven't listened to that already, go check that episode out. Um but yeah, uh next one in line was Mothra. And before that was What was the last Meg one? Not not the Meg. The Meg's not part of the show of continuity. Oh, sorry. I thought it was oh, about last Rodan? episode. Rodan. Was it Rodan? God, yeah, Rodan. that was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, we, we, I think we skipped over Varan. I'm not missing anything, y'all. We, we did skip over Varan, but I mean, it's not very important in the, it's in not. the realm of things. It's not. Not really missing what much out of Varan. I like Varan. Yeah. It's a good design. It's not really a good movie. It's a little basic for my taste, but you know, it's whatever. He's an alright monster, but we yeah. talk about Mothra today. Um, so this movie was uh, released um, July thirtieth, nineteen sixty-one, in Japan. May tenth of night of of nineteen sixty-two in the United States, and has a runtime of one hour and forty-one minutes in Japan, and a runtime of one hour and thirty minutes in U.S. And had a budget of twenty million yen. And, of course, uh, directed by Shiro Honda and uh, Tomiyuki Tanaka. Yep. With, uh, of course, the special effects being directed by um, A.G. Subaraya. But the music, however, um, was not done by uh, series composer Akira Fukube, um, but is instead... uh, Done by Yuji uh, Koseki, I believe is how you pronounce his name, Koseki. Um, and it's actually the only movie he did in the um, in the Showa era or in any of the Toho science fiction movies. Period. From from uh, what I'm seeing here, so which what is neat. His other works. What else? Um, at least according to Wikipedia, and I'll have to check some other sources, but he's um, Momotero's Divine Sea Wars in 1945. Um, two movies that have Japanese names that I'm not going to try to pronounce because I'm just going to butcher them. Both released in 1949. The Bells of Nagasaki in 1950. And then this movie, Mothra. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kira Fukube actually passed up on this movie since he didn't think he'd be able to compose for the Peanuts, who star in this movie as the uh, the twin fairies there, or the Shobijin, um, which we'll get into here in a minute. But he felt like he couldn't compose music for them, and so passed it on, which is an interesting anecdote. I wonder why specifically them, what he found so challenging about it. I, I think it was... Something kind of dainty or feminine or soft or something in the monster movie i don't think it was that i think he was probably looking at it more as a as a pop thing and probably wasn't sure uh, how to approach it oh as, like her, just their performance kind of yeah song? yeah and, yeah he, he couldn't figure out a way or he couldn't see himself doing it um understandable because it is kind of whack yeah i mean i like I like mothra's song uh, don't get me wrong. Um, and some of the other sound, some some of the other songs in this movie are all right, but they don't stand out too much. I think the only standout songs song in this movie for me is Mothra's uh, Mothra's song, which is just called Mothra's song, and it's obviously got staying power since it's been featured with Mothra almost every single movie. Yeah, uh, even even King the Monsters in 2019 had a a rendition of the song. Um, yeah, it looks like uh, it's the only movie he did really with Toho. He doesn't even have a page on uh, Toho Kingdom, which just kind of goes to show like they've got a lot of uh, you know, a lot a lot of the guys here. So interesting, interesting to say the least. And this movie was also uh, based off of a serialized novel called 
The Luminous Fairies and Mothra, published in Asahi, I believe is how you pronounce that, in 1961. And that kind of goes to show like how quickly they would just take things and turn them around into some other form. Because I kind of felt the same way about how, um, I believe it was the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms uh, really influenced Tomiyuki Tanaka in the production of Gojira. I believe it was the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, wasn't yeah. it? It came out like not too far before that, and they immediately turned that around into something else. And I, It's kind of the same thing with, with this novel. Yeah, uh Beast from 20,000 Fathoms came out in 1963. Excuse me, 1953. Um, so again, Godzilla came out in 54. So they, you know, they about a year, you know, because um, they came out in June. So I don't know when it hit Japanese theaters. Uh, if it did, I imagine it had some sort of international release. I don't know anything about that, unfortunately. Um, well, King Kong also had a, a re-release around that time, didn't it? It, it did. It did. I think that's when they did the colorized release, right? No, they um, the colorization was done for uh, TV, apparently. Huh. Interesting. I didn't. I didn't know because I actually grew up watching uh, the colorized version. Have that on VHS. I say, I don't still don't think I've seen the colorized version. The only one I've ever seen is the black and white version. I've seen like stills and things from it, but. Never just sat down and watched the whole thing. And yeah. just for just for reference, we watched the American release of this movie instead of the Japanese version. Because there, while there are a few scenes that are either shortened or cut out or something like that, they are few and far between. Because there is like a 10-minute difference, 11-minute really, uh, difference in the runtime between the U.S. and Japanese release. Is it a huge chunk of that cut-off 10 minutes their song that they perform? No, I don't think so. Uh, let me look up the differences specifically. I know, I know. There's a couple of scenes where, like, they're walking through the jungle and they shorten those a little bit, and a couple of things such as such as that. Because I don't know if you can find it or not, but there is like a web page, is like a breakdown of like all the differences between the two versions. Yeah, it's no no huge huge changes. Um. Which is a bit surprising, because um, some of these show movies really got messed with, some not so much. It depends, but they surprisingly kept this mostly intact, which is nice. And all the music's there, too. They didn't replace any of the music, which I was genuinely surprised at, because a lot of show movies with the dubs would replace, like, half the music with uh, stock music from other sources as opposed to keeping the original soundtrack here it's, it's all there which is surprising i didn't think so but it was um so i guess we ought to just like kind of jump into the movie we've kind of gone over a bit of the bit of the, bit of the crew and some of the history behind the movie so uh i guess we can jump right into the plot um i mean this movie starts out with a ship that's rocking back and forth in the middle of the ocean and it's a uh like a navy crew and uh, with, within the first, like, couple of minutes of the movie, I was like, oh, the model work looks great. So it's going to have promising model work up yeah. to a point. Where yeah, I'm we talked play. about that yeah. off and on. I think the model work is great up to a point, but that was the first thing that stood out to me. And then a guy just jumps overboard on the ship for some reason. Yeah, just kind of because. want to stay on the ship. <laughs> he right? just dives off the ship. He's like, I'm done with this, and just leaves. Yeah, bizarre. I on my head out. Right? And then they're, they're immediately talking about also how they're going into a radioactive zone, which that's another whole aspect of this movie that I kind of had to piece together. Um, that was an area where Rolisica, which is probably one of the most random just out of left field things that one of these movies has dropped in did some nuclear testing in the waters off the coast of this island yeah long story short the ship crashes on the on the island and they're out searching for these guys and so the the search party finds them uh in this irradiated zone but they they pick them up and they bring them back uh to mainland japan and surprisingly enough 
They have no signs of any kind of radiation sickness. They're not leave, they're not reading any levels, nothing. They're they're clean, which is bizarre because they just did a test over there. And that's when the survivors say that, oh yeah, the natives of the island, which we thought was uninhabited, gave us this special juice. Oh God. You want to talk about the juice? The juice. The juice? Like, I don't know why the hell we thought the juice was so funny. Because it was just so random. They're like, oh my god, are you okay? The locals do this. The locals do that. The juice. Gave us juice. It's like, juice? I don't know what it is with these movies and juice. Because, like, King Kong vs. Godzilla also has a big thing about the juice. And if you watch, and that's stupid because, like, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. But, like, if you watch the American cut of King Kong versus Godzilla, you have no idea about the juice. It's, like, never elaborated on any. Yeah, the juice is a big plot point in the Japanese version. They make, like, a, it's not a big point, but it's a, it's a, it's a point that they make for sure. Very bizarre. But- yeah, so the, the island natives gave them juice, which prompts them to go have an investigation on this island, a joint um, Rolisican and, um, Japanese and, uh, yeah. expedition. Which, in case you guys haven't picked up yet, Rolisica is a weird stand-in for America, kind of. But at the same yeah, time, I though... I bring it up. Why exactly... That name for that location. I don't know. Yeah, because it, it's, it's weird. A, from, I don't know if you were about to say this, but I've seen from a couple sources that it was a weird tie-in for how they mutually viewed the U.S. and Russia. I I guess, but if you look at them, it's totally uh, American-influenced, uh, American-themed. Um, this is kind of the only movie that Toho, at least in the Showa era, really did that kind of painted America or the West in a really negative light. But at the same time, though, I want to make note, okay? I want to make note, I'm pretty sure in this movie, America still exists separate from Relisica. And here's why, okay? So when they show footage of the plane going back and forth later on in the movie, way later on in the movie, it's like Pan American Airlines. Yeah. Okay. I pointed that out. Okay. But everything else is Relisica. So I'm pretty sure they both exist because, again, later on the show era, any other movie after this, they never talk about Relisica. America. So I, I think somehow, at least in this, you know, granted, the movie, I guess, doesn't matter that much, but uh, I think they both exist, which is just kind of bizarre. You think you just have one. But uh, I think they're both there. It's neither here nor there, but uh, what, whatever. It is what it, it is. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It may, Maybe after this movie just, like, got so messed up, they just said forget about it. Melissa's gone. Rip New Kirk City. New Kirk yeah. City. <laughs> New Kirk City. I don't even... Who's Kirk? Who's New Kirk? Who's, where's Old Kirk? The Olden Kirk. I, I don't know. I was, for some reason, while I was trying to make the show notes for this, I kept putting new Clark City because I was thinking of Clark Kent. I don't know why the fuck that's immediately where my brain went. I but know. I, kept new I know Clark. why your brain went to that. And that's because we had a Superman character in this movie. I wish I could remember his character's name. Um, oh, Clark Nelson. Clark. That's why. Yeah, the you, villain. Yeah. Jerry Ito. Jerry oh, Ito. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about the hero of this movie. Oh, Dr. Uh, uh, Shinichi? Yeah, Chujo? The really goofy guy. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Oh, You're thinking of... Uh, I can't remember what his name is. But his guy, character the the... was so... Like, every the time the movie started to drag on a bit or get a bit confusing, he would just come in and either fuck it up or fix it. Yeah, uh, Zen, Zenitru, um, Fukuda. He's just a news reporter. But this is where it starts to introduce your, your characters. You get introduced to, uh, Zenichiro. Is that his yeah. name? Yeah, Zen, Zenichiro. Yeah. 
Um, uh, who is a news reporter and his partner, uh, Mi- Michi? Michi, yeah. Hanamura. And uh, they're trying to interview some of the guys that have been irradiated. And uh, then then they go to talk to uh, Dr. Chuzo. Yeah, yeah. Chuzo, Chuzo, who is the only role who would later carry on to um, Godzilla Tokyo SOS, which uh, Hiroshi Koizumi would later replay the role. Small antidote, but yeah. But yeah, they want... Uh... Wanted to ask him if he if he was going on this uh, expedition with with Clark Nelson and this joint expedition to this island and also I just really quick I want to say Takashi Shimura looks so weird without a mustache. Yeah, I yeah. was gonna say, can we talk about that real quick? A little bit, I remember a little bit you cursed. Listen to him talk for a good like three minutes, and then you were like, "Hey, wait a minute." Just, just wait till you get to um, Ghidorah the Three-Dimensional Monster. Like you almost don't recognize him. I know. It's wild. Quite, a, quite a few of Toho's players are in here, along with uh, Kenji Sahara, also shows up here as well as a helicopter pilot, um, who was the star in Rodan, and plays a a bunch of other, uh, other roles throughout the uh, Showa era, for. <clears throat> but anyway, moving along with the plot, they they all go to this island. They have like a big, big launch, big like going away expedition party for them. And uh, Sinichiro uh, sneaks onto the ship as a uh, like crew member or something. And Clark Nelson holds him at gunpoint, and uh, so now he's part of the expedition. And this is when we get to the island and. I really don't remember too much about like viewing this as a little kid, but I remember the natives like when they showed up, like running out of the woods at them with spears and stuff. But they're just like smashing rocks together. I guess maybe that's just like some kind of weird like. So what I'm even looking for like Mandela effect. Memory yeah, sort of thing. Movie. Yeah. And I'll go ahead and just say this, like, because, and I won't harp on it or anything. Everybody always talks about, like, how distasteful it is to depict Native people in these movies. And I'm not going to say, like, oh, times were different, like, that justifies it, but it don't, because it really don't. But it's just weird, like, their view of Polynesians. Yeah, let's just get, you know, 30, 40 people and really crappily paint them brown. Yeah, I was gonna harp on that earlier. Like, I didn't know how I wanted to tackle that. Like, it's uh, like when I was when I was a kid, when I was watching these movies younger, um, and they kind of stray away from it as they go on. Uh, Mothra, they they do a pretty bad job, and I don't really know why they had to go so hard on it. Cause like in Godzilla, right, the natives of Odo Island, they don't do any of that at all. So yeah, I, I, this I, movie just has like. A kind of deep-seated kind of hatred for a couple real-life countries for some reason. Yeah, which 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 uh, it affected it affected me my uh, enjoyment of the movie. You know, I was like, hmm. You know, I didn't I didn't pick up all that at first, but first watching way back, you know, watching it this time, kind of really made me go like, why why were we doing this? You know, I don't know. No, I felt that. Yeah. But so. besides that, we won't run through that for 30 minutes because we, we get it. You know, brown face, black face, not good. It's not good. It's, it's not it's, good. It's definitely, you know, no bueno. some some viewers still probably going to be uncomfortable. I know it made me a bit uncomfortable watching that, and it's just it's, it's weird. You know? I think it's just the amount of attention that I paid to it this time because I used to just kind of be like, oh, you know, Native people or whatever. But, you know, like, now I, you know, knowing how, A, you know, society has changed a little bit since then. I live in a society. That I'm older now, you know, it it did kind of, I'll dock it some points for that. Yeah. You you can't go back in time and change the way the movie was made, but this is where you you see the the Shobijin for the first time, which are rubber dolls. They're, I mean, they're played by, uh. When you first see them, they're they're played by the uh, the peanuts. 
Yeah, they're superimposed onto the thing, but like it's, it's when they pick them up and stuff. Oh yeah, when they pick them up, they when they interact with them, they're definitely little dolls. But yeah, um, and then the natives get upset whenever they get close to the the Shobi Jin, and then as they let go of them, they kind of go back into the into the forest, and uh, they did uh, save they save uh, Chujo from yeah. the from the piranha plant or whatever it is. The, what, the what did they vampire. call it? They call Called it like a vampire plant or something, which I don't... I think it was something like Carnivorous Vampire Carnivorous plant. Va- like, yeah. That's some a kind of weird, like, elaborate name. Yeah. Didn't make any sense. But the uh, the plant. So then they, they leave the island and they don't tell uh, Clark about the Shobijin because he's, he's there to, like, uh, monetize the whole thing. Because he's this cartoonishly evil capitalist, which he's got a he's got a good bit of charisma. I like Clark as a villain, because um, he's just a guy you love to hate, right? Like yeah. there's no redeeming factors for Clark, and Jerry Ito does a good job playing that up and really making that role fun. Um, he's great. Like I was he, blown away. He he's great. I I think personally though, in terms of evil capitalist that the, the, the series has. He's probably not my favorite because he feels a bit one-dimensional. There's not a ton of depth. It's just like, here's the money. Well, I mean, he does steal that old man's cane just to bonk him with it. That's pretty evil. He does. He does, later on. So then, Clark goes back with a small expedition team from just Realistica to capture the Shobijin, right? Because he's like, oh, I can make money for these guys. So he steals them, takes them back to Japan, and then makes it a big like exploitation thing, puts on a huge show, um, and starts selling them. Well, they put the call out telepathically and through song um, to Mothra, their guardian, right? Who then hatches from her egg and slowly starts making her way towards Japan, unbeknownst to anyone. And then finally, they uh, all of our, our cast get to go talk to the Shobijin, who at this point have not spoken to anybody. And they tell them, oh, Mothra's coming and she's going to hurt all of you. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Not good. Yeah, they're not really sorry about it either. They're like, yeah, we called Mothra. Our bad. Sorry. Well, sorry. Uh, y'all just better leave. She's going to like kill everybody. It's like thanks, thanks, Shobijin. Like we get it. You got you know you got kidnapped. That sucks. That's bad, right? I mean, I mean I, if I if I could call for help, I'd call for help. If I could call for Martha for help, I'd probably call Martha for help. That, right? That's what I'm saying. You know, especially being you know so small and yeah. not knowing anyone, and I'd call for Martha. I'd call the biggest help I could. I'm yeah. small and have very little money. Hmm. They have none. They have none, actually. So, so our our uh, our heroes there try to you know persuade Clark into letting the Shobijin go. He's like, nah, money. I don't care about Mothra. So then Mothra slowly starts making her way. You know, tears up a ship, and they're like, hey, Clark, this thing's actually real. Like, we better you know give back the Shobijin. No, money. They keep doing the little show. They keep singing. Um, you know, plot-wise, it's a it's a bit thin, um, but it's it's entertaining throughout. You know, they're they're back and forth. There's stuff going on. Do you want to talk a little bit about I guess Mothra's scale in this movie? Well, because since we're already on the prop itself, and and Mothra's showing up, it was just essentially a big puppet with one per somebody actually controlling the head. Was it two not? two actually? Yeah, uh, Haru Nakajima and. Uh, Kasumi Tessica are both in Mothra in her uh, larval state. Because this Mothra is the largest Mothra to date. Still. 1961's Showa Mothra is bigger than even the uh, Monsterverse Mothra in Wingspan. I wish you could tell that in the movie, though. You kind of can, because if you look at a lot of the the miniature work, it's very, very... uh, big like the the scaling um 
because normally you, you really can't see many of the uh like drivers or whatever the tanks and trucks and and military vehicles and this movie you can right in this movie you can quite easily uh just because of the scaling and the size of the models and the size of the sets because the monsters um scaled up right which i, I thought was very interesting because you really don't see that much detail in most or if not any of the godzilla movies comparatively um, I'm going to pull up that quick Mothra size chart real quick just to show y'all. It's pretty wild. Like, you don't think it, but it is. Uh, Mothra would get downscaled um, for Mothra versus Godzilla. Because Mothra is huge in both forms. In both forms. And so they figure, uh, our, our heroes are figure, which is kind of a weird solution. That since Mothra is not Mothra, but the the Shobijin are communicating to Mothra through telepath uh, telepathy, they're just gonna put a box over them that'll block out the the telepathic waves, so Mothra doesn't come. As opposed to actually freeing them, just gave them the box. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that was strange. It was kind of like, oh, let's just try this. Ah, oh, it works. Okay. But in the meantime, Mothra what, what is just destroying everything. hypothesis. Yeah. Well, because they don't want to, um, because for whatever reason, they, they don't want to uh, step on the foot of the Reliscan government who's just allowing all of this to go down, right? Well, it's not in their country at that point either. No, it's not. But they're like, no, nah, diplomatic immunity. Uh, Clark can do whatever he wants with this money and this this road show, this stage show thing. Even though, right, there's like no jurisdiction or like justification for any of that taking place, right? Like there's no discernible reason as to why, why they should let that happen. But, uh, oh well. They finally uh, lead Mothra to this tower is it tokyo tower that mothra finally topples and makes the cocoon on yeah so so through mothra's rampage um now she's tearing up the city trying to find the the shobijin clark and company skip town not before kidnapping and beating up a child (laughs) (laughs) because you have to add that in there too because he's just that much of a piece of shit thanks clark so afterwards um yeah, Mothra perches up on Tokyo Tower and starts cocooning herself to evolve into her imago form, her adult form. Uh, and then the heroes are trying to find where Clark went because he snuck onto a plane and got out of the country back to Reliska. And then Reliska finally says, yeah, no, uh, extradite Clark. We need him back and uh, make him give back the fairies after like half of Tokyo is destroyed. And he's in Reliska and... Mothra comes and attacks New Kirk City. New Kirk City when she hatches. Which, if you can't tell, is an obvious stand-in for New York City. Yeah. And it's kind of fucked, too, because, like, he tries to leave and, like, go through this little town in Realistica, and they all notice him and, like, crowd around his car, and he just pulls a gun out and starts shooting people. Yeah. And they yeah, just get shot by the cops. Up on him like Richard Ramirez. Yeah. And like he's got like two cronies with him, and they're like, we're not having this. We're not doing it. Yeah. And then came what I think was probably the just dumbest, most random scene when he runs into the crowd and beats up that old man with his cane. Because he can. Just because. And then he immediately gets shot. I don't know, man. Uh, I think the the dumbest standout moment in this whole movie is the uh, the guy. He's like a guard or something like that, or or cop. I don't remember exactly, but he just finishes his dumpling in fear after he sees Mothra. I thought it was kind of <laughs> funny. I thought it was kind of funny. The, he just goes, oh, and he like stuffs oh, the whole dumpling in his mouth. Just gulps down, and it's it's a funny little comedic scene. Um, it's definitely got a lot of comedy in this one, which is all right. It works. I um, like it. I think it's, you know, there's always like a little team 
of people in all these movies. And the team of people and characters in this movie. But yeah, just to, to kind of wrap the plot up here, um, after Nelson is dead, they uh, they make the uh, the symbol, which is another thing we didn't go over, but it's not really that important. They make a symbol to attract Mothra that was on a stone on the island that they came from. Yeah. And uh, Mothra comes and they release the, the Shelby Jen and that's it. Yep. And then they, they, they say they wave goodbye to Mothra and, and wish her goodwill and hope to see her again. Sorry we destroyed your whole fucking city. Like, thank, thanks, Mothra. Bye. Hope, hope to see you next time. Like, they're just completely okay with Mothra just landing right there in front of everybody at the airport. Yeah. To take yeah, off with the Shelby Jen. Mothra gets to land in the airport and is waved goodbye. Uh, no, no harm done. Sorry for all those dead and displaced due to, uh, you know, all this happening. But uh, no big deal. No big deal. Um, it's the only movie that I know that does that, right? Every other time they drive the monster away, it's a big fight or something. No, they, they wish Mothra well and sear off, which I, I think is just great, right? But anyway, um, yeah, so that's the plot there. You guys want to get into to final opinions? Sure. Well, I love this movie. I definitely liked it the last time around than I did the first time around. Um, like I said, the cast in this all play their parts so well. No one is super annoying. No one's really campy. You know, there's not, you know, evil villains driven by stupid means we just have a really greedy guy and the story's great Mothra's great I wish we had seen more of her but I think that's a gripe with every monster movie I've ever seen ever but yeah uh, very good very good I would say like an 8 it's enjoyable like I've thought about watching it multiple times since we watched it but we also had to rent it, and I really don't want to have to drop three three or four bucks or whatever it was every time I want to watch it. I swear to God, I used to own multiple copies of this movie, and I went to... It's stupid. My copy of Mothra vs. Godzilla vs. The Thing, yeah. Mark, does not have a picture of Godzilla on the cover of it. It only has Mothra on the cover. That's hilarious. So I was like, okay... Because I went to reach for it, and I it was the classic media version, and I was like, well, this is not what I thought it was. So, apparently I didn't own a copy of it. I did have to rent this off of uh, Prime Video. I watched it on YouTube. Did you rent it on YouTube, or did you just find it on nah, YouTube? I, I, I rented it. rented it. Okay. So. Um, I guess I'll go next, if, if you're good, Leah. Yeah, I'm good. I think okay. it's great. Um, yeah, I really like this movie. Um, it it does it does some different things. It does stay a bit to the formula that's kind of been established at this point by Mo- by uh, Godzilla and Rodan. Um, but it still does its own things, right? The in this movie, the monster's really not the bad guy. The bad guy, uh, for the first time here, is really the people's, the humans, the human aspect with with Clark and to a a lesser extent the realistic and government. Um, for kind of being, uh, um, for for allowing Clark to do what he wants and and get away with with his actions, right? From from kidnapping the Shobinjin and and not letting them out. Um, so there's some interesting commentary there. Um, that's neat. There's a a bit. There's a little bit of a nuclear aspect, but not much. It's not really touched upon in the movie. I think by large. It's, it's brought up, but but in passing, really. Um, I like the comedic aspects of this movie. They had a lot of fun with it. Uh, the cast have a good time. You know, they're they're funny to watch. It's a funny movie. Um, it takes itself serious, but not not too much so. Um, Mothra really looks great in the movie, right? The prop used to portray the uh, larvae Mothra is great. Because it's it's much bigger than we'd see later on. It's not like the radio controlled ones. It's an actual 
uh, suit almost, if you will. Um, so there's a lot more detail going on there along with the sets. Uh, of course, the Imago or Adult Mothra is, is great, beautiful to look at, you know. It's just one thing, too. A lot of the monsters are supposed to be uh, you know, scary in a way or or seem disgusting or anything like this. Not at all. Mothra is something that's, you know, beautiful and uh, total, totally opposite of, like, every other monster out there, up to this point, at least for sure. And even now to this day, there's very few monsters like Mothra. Um, so... Um, you know, great, great movie. A lot of fun. Um, a little simple on the story, but that's not a bad thing because that just makes it fun to watch, right? You don't have to think too hard on it. Um, there's not a ton of uh, commentary here uh, politically or, or, or social. There's some for sure. Um, some a bit of a, I guess, any capitalist, um, any Western, a, a little bit, but not too much. It doesn't, it doesn't beach over the head with it and it doesn't make it uh, a heavy sticking point um which is all right too it's nice um the music's a bit hit or miss mothra's song like i said earlier is, is iconic i think it's a huge part of mothra's who she is is the is the, the song the the peanuts do a great job singing they're also really good acting in this as well um as the shobijin as the little the little beauties as the dub calls them um but the rest of the score is, for me, kind of a miss. It's okay, but it's really not much to remember. Um, and I don't think any of those songs are, are reused afterwards. Um, other than that, that's pretty much the, the big points I've got to say about the movie. I think it's fun. It's a good one. Um, easily, for me, probably a 7.5 out of 10. I mean, I still love Godzilla. He's, he's my favorite, but Mothra's great. I'm still a bit irked about the natives betrayal. I think that's just strange and a bit, uh, I don't think disappointing is the right word, but uh, it, it's it's a bit sad to see that it was, it was done in a negative light. Um, and I hope it doesn't affect other viewers' uh, enjoyment of the movie. You know, that you're able to, to watch this and, and just enjoy it for the entertainment value that it is and not have, you know, offense or whatever. Um, yeah, because it, it's off-putting. It is. It is. It, it unfortunately is. It's sad. And otherwise, a, a completely harmless movie about a giant moth, right? Although, I don't think she's actually a moth. I, I don't know science. I, you tell me. I don't know. Um, it does resemble, I'm guessing you're talking about, like, is she a butterfly or a moth? Yeah. She does resemble a moth more. Okay. Yeah, kind of. She's got fur. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 7.5 out of 10. It's a good movie. I like the special effects in there. They did a good job with them. Uh, did you see Bariah knocking out of the park again? I think the wind stuff's honestly better here than it was in Rodan. I think they really upped this game in, uh, in this one. Uh, but oh, yeah. Uh, the Jeep flying through the town is one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um. Yeah, so I, th I think that's it for me. Seven point five out of ten. Go watch it. And uh, I'm probably just gonna rehash a lot of what both of you have already said. But I mean, I'll go ahead and start out by saying this: I was not excited to watch this at first because I probably hadn't seen this movie in about maybe ten years. I hadn't seen it in a very long time. I just remembered it not holding my interest very well, especially compared to like other Godzilla or monster films from this time period that I watched when I was a kid. So like Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, Terror of Mechagodzilla, Godzilla versus Gigan, ones that I watched a lot, had a lot more monster action and a lot less of that human aspect. But now, I guess since I'm I'm a little older, I didn't realize, you know, the, the true entertainment value that this movie has. The acting is great. Um, you know, it it might, the, the style of acting, it, it can feel, you know, a bit, um, I guess, dated at times. Just like you would watch something like the Dick Van Dyke show or something like that. And the acting is a little, you know, like you can tell that's from this time period, you know. But it's not bad. Um the dub and sub are both fine. 
I didn't really have any complaints with that either. Um, and really, I mean, what, of course, this movie, I, I've got my complaints with it. Of course, the whole thing with the natives, we don't need to run back through that. It does kind of uh, impact the, uh, the entertainment value of this. You feel kind of uncomfortable watching it, or at least uh, some people could, you know, potentially feel that way. Uh, and while I certainly hope that it, it doesn't affect anyone else's viewing of this, um, it's there. Uh, as well as the fact that, like, I've never really cared for the larva form of Mothra. I wish we would have gotten to see more of Mothra in its final form. Um, but apart from that, I also didn't remember the destruction scenes in the in this movie being as great as they were. Um, they were very, very entertaining. They were, and that's one thing that I always want from my monster movies is is great destruction scenes and i don't necessarily care for a whole lot of like what would later on happen in these movies because like it kind of moved into the heisei era uh where the buildings like they would touch them and they would explode into like a million pieces you know i like to see the model crumble i like to see it fall apart you know i like for it to look you know like it's it's actually coming down not like it just blew up for some reason and then, of course, you've got, like, later on, you'd have, like, CG buildings, which, you know, look like CG buildings. But the model work in this is great up to a point. I didn't really care for the way that the new Kirk models were set up. The streets just looked very empty compared to the way that they did uh, when they had the models set up for uh, Japan and Tokyo. Yeah, I was um, going to say that. Because we were talking about it when we were watching it. Like, they put all their time and attention into Tokyo. Like, the farming towns and, like, outer towns and stuff were so detailed. And then, basically, New York City was just kind of a barren, like, dusty side road. Yeah, it was uh, just New, like... New Kirk. New Kirk, yeah. <laughs> just these big, open, empty-ass streets. Even and... It's very EBDB, but like, at least like with Tokyo, and that's another thing I like. I like to see like monuments and like recognizable structures get destroyed, and they crumble Tokyo Tower, which you know I thought was cool. You don't really get any of that with the new Kirk stuff, but it's it's still good. Like you were talking about the wind gusts and the flying effects, also I think are much better than they were in Rodan, and that's that was a big aspect in Rodan. Uh, so yeah, wires were still really bad in this movie. The oh yeah, the wires. Yeah, I don't know. We watched probably an updated scan of this, and like if you watch a Blu-ray scan of an old ass movie, you'll see that you'll see the wires even worse, or like cracks in the suits or things like that. Still pretty bad. Still pretty bad with the wires in this one. But you know, I'll I'll I won't harp on it too bad. You know, I don't have to forgive it for that, but you know, it's that didn't really affect my uh, personal. It's old. Yeah, it's old. It didn't really affect my personal opinion of this movie. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna give it a solid seven. Um, you know, I went into this thinking like, oh, I'm gonna give this movie probably a five, maybe it's pretty mediocre, maybe a four. No, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed my viewing of it. And again, you know, like it, this is probably something, you know, I'd come back to cause I've, I have avoided watching it for a long time just because I have such a, such a, uh, ongoing memory of this movie, just not really holding my interest, which again, I think that's partially due to the last viewing of the, the Mothra movies that I had. I watched the Rebirth Trilogy, which, if you've watched the Rebirth Trilogy, you know it's not. Oof. Yeah. But, yeah, that's all I got. I'm going to give it a solid seven. Um, and that's all I got. I guess we can go ahead and run through uh, socials. I always forget to plug Instagram. We're on Instagram at Stomp Around Pod. Uh, you can follow us there for episode updates. Uh, you know, just uh, follow the team if... Uh, if we do anything interesting, we we might we might put it up there. And uh, so I'll edit this out. Post. What are we doing next? <laughs> we'll be doing a movie. 
Did you, okay, so did you want to go ahead? Did you want to try to do like another? Uh... We can do one with uh, monsters. <laughs> I have no you clue. Don't say. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. Uh... I don't know. I mean, we we can do more show stuff. We could do uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. If that's what I was about to ask, those yeah. you want to just go ahead and jump to the next show. Yeah, let's let's get some let's get some Godzilla back up in here, you know. When yeah, we did Godzilla probably. last episode, but like it was animated Godzilla. We're gonna get like you know, real Godzilla. real Godzilla, real Godzilla, you know. Not that it's not real Godzilla, but this is real Godzilla. Meaty Godzilla. Yeah, this is Godzilla's proper return, man. 1962's King Kong versus Godzilla. 62 or 63? Sorry. I think it's one for American, one for Japanese. Uh, I kind of want to watch the, both the American and Japanese releases of this, though, because they are, it's like a whole nother fucking it, movie. They, they are, yeah, wildly different. Uh, it was 62. 62 for uh, Japan, yeah. Okay. Um, I've got both. Awesome. We need to have a watch party. Oh, yeah. We can all supper together. Well, through the American or through the American release, yeah, you know yeah. Like, why is that guy playing the bongos? <laughs> Godzilla's brain is the size of this. Peanut. Oh God! <laughs> King Kong's brain is the size of this skull. He's a thinking creature. Kong is a thinking, a thinking animal. animal. Thinking animal. Yeah, you're thinking something, all right, boss. <laughs> but oh, anyway, God. Uh, so yeah, next time we'll be back with uh King Kong versus Godzilla 1962. We're gonna um keep moving forward with the show of continuity. And you know what? I always announce what movie or sh- whatever we're gonna do next. And I, for like the past I think three episodes, it's not been what I said it was gonna be next. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're gonna do it for sure. But yeah, definitely. Um, that'll be coming up soon. So, uh, yeah, until next time, bye for now.